Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Dad So Hard. If you are listening to this, you are officially part of Dad So Hard Nation, and I am your co-host, Vinny Dunleavy. If this is your first time with us, welcome, welcome. And if you are a longtime listener and fan, I cannot thank you from the bottom of my heart. On behalf of me and Danny, we've been on a four-year journey, and it is incredible. Uh, For any of you that have been with us from day one today, say this is uh, week three. We appreciate everything you've done with us. Um, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Dad's Hard Podcast on Twitter, Dad's Hard Pod, and on Gmail. If you want to message me directly at Dad's Hard Podcast at gmail.com. In today's episode, we are in the middle of season four. We are dropping some advice. Uh, I am thrilled to introduce you to a father who is also an author and an entrepreneur, and he has recently written a book that I think is well overdue. For me, it was probably 10 years. 10 years too late. It's called Welcome to Fatherhood. You might want to pause right now, write that down, go to Amazon, Google it. It is a must gift for anybody out there who knows somebody who is just about to have a baby. Uh, It is a father's guide to the first year of fatherhood. We're going to talk about David's journey, uh, his journey as an author and his advice in this book and a little bit about why the advice was a little too late for me. Uh, and some of my own stories uh, of what I went through my first year. So I hope you enjoy this interview. It's fantastic. And welcome and thank you again. Cue music. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. To Dad's out, Dad so hard. This is Vinny Dunleavy, uh, one of your favorite co-hosts, and we are in the middle of season four, uh, where we are exploring what makes dads choose to dad hard. Uh, is it something you can do? Is it a choice at all? Uh, what is it about? And again, today I have lined up not only a great father and a great man and a great individual, but also somebody who's an author. Um, and if you've been listening to this podcast, you have probably wondered. Uh, if I'm interviewing an author, did I actually do the homework to read a book? Because I have openly described myself as somebody who does not read. Uh, uh, and I am proud to say that today I have actually done the homework and I have read this book. So uh, get ready for it, get excited for it. And it's coming up next. And in the, and before we get there, though, remember, if you like this, please subscribe, tell somebody about it. You can pause right now, text a friend, be like, oh, that's a hard, got a new episode. Uh, you can always go to our website and you can always email us at that's a hard podcast uh, at gmail.com. And without further ado, today's episode is featuring uh, Mr. David Arell. Did I say that right? Let's make you sure. Did, you did. You did. Oh, look at that. Thanks, We're off man. to a good we're off, <laughs> off to a good start. If I can. And I should have seen an experienced interviewer would probably say, let me make sure I pronounce your name right. I was waiting um, for you, but you, you were you, you were right. You're right there. You're right there. <laughs> Uh, and David is not only a father, but he is the author of a book uh, that I believe, and I thought about this last night, David, when I was reading it, I believe this book, if anybody knows anybody who is having a baby, who's a man, and every one of us now gets invited to baby showers, there are no baby showers, they're no longer for women only. You need a gift for a father, and you're like, what the fuck do I get this guy? What do I do to get a father who's maybe never had a baby or had a second kid because he didn't pay attention when the first one was born? This book is a, I'm going to put on my dad so hard must buy list. And it is called uh, Welcome to Fatherhood uh, or WTF in the abbreviation of that, uh, what is happening in life. And it is uh, a modern man's guide to pregnancy 
childbirth and fatherhood. And we're going to talk a little bit about it and get into David's journey as a father and what made him uh, get into the space. So please join me in welcoming Mr. David Arell. Whoa, then I do my fake noise because there's no audience. Right. And that's right. the. It's like, <laughs> I, yeah. I may do, I, who knows? I may do a jingle in there. We'll see if, what feedback I get. Right. Right. Um, uh, so, David, so, well, so w- there's so much I want to unpack. But in terms of being a father, uh, what made you get to the point? What was it that said, I think I have a book in me to tell other guys what they're in for? about being a father? Like, what, what is that? How did you get to this place where now your name's on the book, you're, you're on the cover? What's that, what's that most immediate journey? And then we're gonna want, we'll continue to unpack that. Yeah, great starting point, Vinny. Thank you very much. Um, and great intro. Uh, I'm excited to be here on the show, chatting with you about all this good stuff. Um, I think for me, the biggest, the biggest catalyst for me and going from a guy who was becoming a dad to a guy who felt compelled to write this book is that as my wife and I went on the pregnancy journey, I was all in. I'm like, okay, I was in a good position in my life. I had made some moves to set myself up to be ready. Uh, My wife is embarking on a new career. I was planning on being a stay at home dad working from home. Um, I didn't have a, I sold a business, so I didn't really have a lot of responsibilities on my plate. So I was ready, you know? So we find out we're pregnant. Um, I'm like, okay, here we go. We're doing this, you know? So took some birth classes, read some books, you know, talked to some of my friends who had some kids and, you know, I kind of felt like I was, I was doing my homework. I felt like I was putting the effort in and I was really engaged. Like I was, I was ready to dad so hard. I was, I was in. You, 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 from the jump, you just said you were all in and having a baby and being a father. That I would argue is not the reaction that most men, when they find out their wife is pregnant, is like, oh, great, yeah, I'm in. I'm, I mean, uh, that uh, you were in the minority right there. So, I mean, right there, I mean, that's where you can see the white space for if you're into it, you're going to become an expert at it. Well, and, and Vinny, that's what I thought. I thought, like, I'm ready, I'm engaged, I'm paying attention, I'm showing up, and I still, you know, screwed up so many things or like, you know, I'm sitting there and, and in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, oh, at the time I thought I was doing a good job, but in hindsight, I was, I really wasn't, or I was doing maybe better than, you know, some of these other guys who maybe weren't as engaged, but not up to my own standard of, of where I wanted to be. Um, And what was so frustrating about that, Vin, is that looking around at like the culture, like I was trying to ask questions. I was trying to, you know, we go to the. I was going to say, why? What? What did you think that was? Because I guess not to lead you there, but in my mind, I feel like we've lived in a culture where parenting advice is code for mothering advice, and that there is no real point of view or famous book out there uh, that says if you're a guy, you should read this if you're having a baby, right? I just think that. So is that what you were running into in terms of you? You're you're all in. You're ready to have this kid. Now you're like, holy shit, what do I do? Would you like what did, did you read? Did you like go out and try to read books or the uh, or the blogs? Or were you just like talk like how what was that experience like? You know, I, I tried to. Like I, I got a couple of different books. Well, first of all, as the, the general message I was getting from the culture was 
be helpful and supportive. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I know. That's why I'm fucking asking you. Like, I'm trying to like, help, help me out here. Like, what does that look like? What every woman wants to hear somebody else telling their husband, just have them be supportive. They're like, right, oh, right. I'm like, OK, yeah, that, that's why I'm standing here now. What, you know? Right. And so some of the books out there were like almost like encyclopedic. It's like every every day, not even like a weekly update, but like now the little baby is the size of a peanut and they're doing this. And I'm like, okay, so uh, I guess if I'm like, a, if I'm a, a medical person, this is interesting, but I, I'm like, what am I like, again, I'm trying to be like getting into the dad zone. If you're here. sitting on the couch watching Netflix next to your wife in the first trimester, what, what words you use to engage her in a conversation about having a baby growing in her is still lost and you're still like, this isn't helping me. What do I do? So you just stare at it and go, how are you feeling? This is me being supportive. Right. Right. Like, uh, right. you know, do you do, should I go want some chips? Like, you know, like right. what, what, you know, what am I doing here? You know, have an appetite issue this week. Like there's, I, I always felt like as a man, I feel like most of us got told rules by whatever your wife was reading. So it was like the first trimester. And a lot of it is like, don't tell anybody we're pregnant. Don't say a word. And like, and, and then, and then you learn, well, the reason why is because no, you can have the miscarriages and then right. nobody wants to talk about it. And I'm like, well, if that's the problem and you're, and I, in my mind, I'm always like, I mean, I, I obviously have a podcast like to share things, but I also believe that if you can demystify the issues around it, that for a lot of women who are suffering in silence, if you have a miscarriage and nobody knows how do your friends and family support you and this idea that it's supposed to be shameful to me, it, it, it's unfortunate when somebody has a podcast but that's not shameful. That means your friends and family should support you and help you because it's a tragedy. It's not, and it's, and it's not a referendum on the woman, but I do think it's sometimes it's felt that like women feel that way. But I do think as a man, you're like, well, I don't know. Okay. I won't say anything. Like there's not, there's nobody out there you go to, to say, well, how do I handle it? And I mean, we come from a generation. We're probably the same age. Uh, I don't think my 80 year old father was going to give me advice on Yo, dad, what do I do in the first trimester? He's right, like, I right. don't know even what that is. He's like, what? I don't remember. He's like, that, no, no. He's like, that was 40 years ago. I'm not remembering. Well, and what you just said spoke to so much of the problems, like from top to bottom, is that the culture doesn't do a good job of, like, in my opinion, adequately addressing all the things that go into pregnancy and the experience of being, of going through a pregnancy. They kind of, there's a lot of the medical information out there, which is yeah. great, but you don't turn to your pregnant partner and be like, How's the little zygote doing today? You know, it's like, that's not, that's not landed for anybody, you know? Uh, no, 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 no. And, uh, and like what you said about miscarriage, like that was one of the things, you know, again, we were all in, we, we were ready from day one. So we decided in many of these instances to take a different tack. So we found out we were pregnant like super early, like five, like five or six weeks, like crazy early. And we told, we, we decided right then we were going to involve our close friends, yep. uh, our family members and tell them in case we act, we went through a miscarriage. We would have a network of support that was aware of where we were and what it's we a were smart, it's through. a smart move. If something goes wrong, it doesn't mean anybody did anything wrong. It just means sh it's terrible. So like why I did that I, wrapping your head around that is, is a, that's a, that's a smart move, but you're doing it together too. It's a joint. Just, she has, it is her body. So you have to respect that it, it is her decision, but yet you're pushing it in a way where say I'm supportive here. If something happens, we need, you know, it's because it's also happening to you. I think that also shows as a husband, you're as engaged in the pregnancy because the there's the physicalness of the terrible of how much that miscarriage is will create trauma on not only your wife, emotional state and body. But that doesn't mean as a man, you have not experienced a similar trauma in a different way. Right. And I, right. that's to me where I think sometimes we discount the emotional side 
of fathers in situations because the focus is so much on healing the mom, which I completely understand. And there should be in many cases, but that doesn't mean you should not totally, you should be completely discounting and avoiding the fact that a husband is also grieving and having to manage it in a lot of ways, um, which I think is just a world of like this idea of, of, of the emotional side of fatherhood and, and, and respecting and understanding. Yeah. And, like, and that, that's exactly another great point there. Vinny. Fathers are people too. Like the neglecting the father's emotional side is a theme that our culture runs through from the pregnancy through the, you know, through the, through the journey and then through the childbirth and, uh, you know, early parenthood, it's like so much of what we're hearing is, oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to keep going to work. You got to come home. You got to do this. You got, you know, it's all this like, like objectification of like dad as a role and what you need to do. And nobody asked me during our journey, how I was doing. And granted, I'm not the pregnant one. I'm not the one that's like, you know, going through that journey, but, but I, I do have my own journey and there's some emotional challenges. There's some existential challenges, like historically speaking across all these different cultures around the world, fatherhood's a big rite of passage. Like it's, it's a big mm-hmm. deal. It's like, as a man, you go from being an adolescent, you know, kid to a man, but then you go from being a man to being a father. And that's a huge culturally recognized transformation that there's support, there's encouragement, there's assistance. And uh, I kind of like him becoming a, a father in today's and our current culture here. It's like you get a new job, but nobody trains you. You don't have like a support mm-hmm. team of like, oh, hey, I'm struggling with this aspect of my new job. Yeah. Can you give me some uh, you know, feedback here? Can you can you, you know, say, show, do walk me through the learning? And uh, there's no like real like legitimate progress reports other than, well, what's your wife think about it? What's your girlfriend think about it? It's like, well what time is it? If you ask her at 11 and then you ask her again at 12, you might get a different answer. And how am I supposed to make a plan here? You know, I a hundred percent agree. And it makes me think about there. So one of the, uh, one of my sort of general opinions on things is sometimes as men, and I think you think about the corporate world or even like kids in school there we're historically it's within our own country in a place where like where the CEO was the standard of, well, that is the level of success. If you're in an elementary school, the boy, the scores of the boys are the level of success. And there's a lot of focus on getting girls and uh, up to there, it's a lot of it's breaking the glass ceiling for women. And what I say is, is not only do we need to break the glass ceiling, but how do we raise the ceiling to make the guys there even better? And if the right. assumption is right. they don't need to be better because that's the standard, we're not raising the standard, but you can only raise the standard by having an honest conversation with those people. And to your point, like if we assume fatherhood ha- can have a lot with it, but nobody's talking about that because there's the assumption of 100 years ago, fatherhood was you provide for the family. You do what you need to do to work. And that's an expectation that we all, because that's the underlying, I think what I have found in this whole thing is everything is underlying. The stereotype is when you're a dad, you still have to just go and make money for your family and, and provide at whatever cost. And if that cost also means not seeing your family, that's okay. Nobody's even going to judge you, right? If you're an executive right now who's working 90 hours a week and you see your wife and kids one hour a week, because these, these C-suite guys, that's the reality, right? That's, to some degree, we all think that's 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 the American dream. And in my mind, I don't. You can make. I don't know. I don't need to make ten million dollars a year to see my wife and kids one hour a week. But I think the fact that we're not having a conversation about how can you be an executive and still live a life with your family, and I think that means like a guy does not have to abandon the roles and responsibilities to to be successful. Right. 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 And, that, and, that's, that, and so that that's part of what I think like. 
in this mindset of what well, we do dad so hard, it's work hard, play hard, dad harder is how do we start having these conversations? I think we need to involve and we need to be talking to people that are higher levels in government and be executives about, well, how did you do it? Like, what was your perspective on what your role was in the family? Because there are many of it, right? I do think right. if, if that's, if your family, if you want to make all that money and that's a choice, by all means, I don't want to judge it. You should be doing that if that's what's right for you, but that should be a conversation and not an assumption. Right. And, you know, I think, and to your bigger point there, Vinny, about like, what, how are we changing that conversation? You know, the work you guys are doing here, Dad's so hard, my work with the book, looking to provide a context and a platform to have those better conversations where guys can come in feeling a little bit more vulnerable, being a little yeah. bit more open-minded, having that learning mindset. And, you know, back to your original question, like the, the book was a product of me having my journey and realizing that other guys in different positions were going to have even a harder time than I did. And me wanting to make that journey a little bit easier for them with, with the specific things I recommend in there and some of the conversations I recommend, but also just creating a broader awareness that it's okay to be a guy who's trying to figure this out and you don't necessarily know the answers and to have those conversations with your partner um, about like, Hey, how are we going to do this? Like we talked about the miscarriage, like, let's talk yep. about this right now. What do we want to do as a team? And like prioritizing that, that new job as being a dad and, you know, to the, you know, those guys are working those, those crazy hours. Like I get it. Like that is the prescription we were given as men, but yep. at the same time, you could be given a prescription and opt not to get it filled or opt not to pursue that task. Uh, uh, or just not take your med. I mean, it's like when your doctor says, here's a referral and then you don't call the referral. I, happen, I mean, I can, I'm on a, I'm a, I have a referral. I need to call from that a week and a half ago. Then I'm like, oh man, I got to do this. Right. right. I, well, I, David, I want to jump into this book because I yeah, actually, number it. one, I read it and I'm proud of myself for doing <laughs> thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate the homework. Thank although you. Although I am seven years, I would argue 10 years too late on my first one, seven years too late on my second one. So uh, again, it's called Welcome to Fatherhood for anybody who wants to stop this podcast. If you want to do this right now, stop. I'll give you a treat. Stop get, and then go to Amazon, uh, search Welcome to Fatherhood, or you can just go welcometofatherhood.com, whichever you want to do. Go there now, buy it. It's not that expensive. It's a buy a copy, read it, and then you can pass it on to the next father you know who's having a kid. Uh, or if you're if you're listening to this and your son's in uh in their twenties, getting married. This is a great, uh, uh, could be actually a good uh, wedding present if you really want for those guys who you're trying to push into it. But the book itself, what I love about it is it really dissects. It is a very focused view of the first year of this baby being born. So if you're wondering, what are you getting out of this book? You're getting, a, it's an easy read um, uh, uh, to go through, but it is really helping you understand what your wife um uh, or partner, if you if you're married to a woman, if you're a woman and you but and you don't know these things, but it is written in the man's eyes, assuming that we don't understand a lot of what we've never been educated on the birthing process. So uh, it is that that is the point of view on it. But it does bring you through trimester by trimester. I mean, it was it's like the uh, uh, the unofficial what to expect when you're not expecting for men. I was yeah, it's like the down and dirty like, version, like the there. Yeah. No, it's, it, listen, <laughs> you got it. We got enough detail for me that I kept me I kept my interest and kept me reading. So that was a lot. Uh, but, uh, uh, so one of the things, uh, uh, there's so many parts as I wanted to jump into, but I think uh, an overarching, um, I wonder if we start from the back. Let's go back. Let's start from when the baby's born. Yeah. I'm going to give you a real life example. And in your book, um, 
you talk about like when the baby's born, it's the, uh, you know, it's coming out. How do you support in that moment of you're in the hospital room, the baby's coming out or that you're the woman's prepping to get the baby. What is the right behavior? What would you say if you're a man and you're going to that hospital with your wife, what, what's your top like two pieces of advice in, that you that they should be looking at when they're, when they're heading it? I, th- I think the first piece of advice sets up the second. The first is all that stuff you've been hearing about, you need to protect the room. You need to be the, you need to be the person who's like watching for this to happen or that to happen, all that kind of stuff. I would say, put that as a secondary concern. Ideally, you have a birth team that you and your partner have assembled together. It's an OB or it's a midwife, a doula, whoever's on your team that you can sort of outsource your, um, all of that sort of like room watching duties where you don't have to be the guy who thinks he has to know more than the OB and challenge the OB or the midwife on these processes. Number one, drop that off to the side to make room for the most important thing. Uh, It's what I call your new mantra, which is be attentive to your partner, be calm, and then be competent in the sense of when you are looking to do something, know kind of like what is expected or what's helpful. And you can do this by taking a birth class. I talk a lot of, I give you specific examples in the book from my opinion that really are those things, but most important, you want to be in the same frame of mind as that sort of like, think back to that honeymoon or that, 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 that time right after you got married. And like, you guys are like, you're just feeling the love. Like happy. You're, in that space. <laughs> you're happy. Bring you go back to the time when you were in your happiest point of your marriage. Right? Well, it's yeah. Very condensed window sometimes. Right. Right. For many yeah. of us. Like, when, when you were attentively and engaged, but fully present, like being present where you're not over there fiddling on your phone in the corner asking, you know, where, what's the progress update uh, on the same side, you don't want to be the dad that's like running around crazy, like throwing ice chips and like, you know, you're just kind of do, you're just trying anything because for a lot of guys, and this is what I keep hearing from time to time, like a guy thinks he's ready. And all of a sudden his wife is going through this process of a delivery, especially if it's a natural one. I, I liken it to watching one of your friends run a marathon. Like you're on the sideline, you're at mile marker 24 and here comes your friend. They look like they're having the worst day of their life. They're crying. They're sweating. Their face is all contorted. They might even be shitting their pants. They're just not looking like somebody who's having fun. And here you are. You're like, yeah, all right. Yeah, keep going. You can do it. So a lot of guys see their wife in pain, you know, their partner in pain and struggling and they're clenching their jaw and squeeze their hand. And they think I got to help my wife or I got to, I got to do something to help. And that anxiety that the guy is feeling is, is sort of clouding their vision, but it's also that anxiety is going right into their partner. So that being attentive and calm, those are the two most important things. Like you can sit there and hold your wife's hand or your girlfriend's hand or whatnot and just stare at her eyes, you know, every now and then maybe rub her brow a little bit. And that will carry so much more weight than the guy who's running around and like trying to like be active, like just be calm and present. I'm going to ask you for your opinion on, on some situations. Would you recommend a father in the birth while their, while his wife is getting ready to have baby or maybe in the process uh, is taking video and photos to make sure that it could be posted on Instagram. Something you would recommend. Is that something that you think is a bad idea? I would, I would, my personal opinion would be a hard no on that. Uh, there are birth professional photographers that can do that for you. 
and most of them are women. So your, your partner's probably going to be more comfortable with the camera at various yeah. angles. David, I'm going to say this may, end, this may end our, this may end our burgeoning friendship. So <laughs> I, I, I was one. And if, if there's some super sleuths out there on Facebook, uh, there is a potential illegal photo of my son uh, posted from Greenwich Hospital on Facebook. I, I think I'm, I, I don't know if my wife eventually yelled at me to take it down. But uh, in the moment there, our birthing team included my wife's cousin. And in the moment there, I was like, nobody's looking. And I got a full blown discovery. Like, like I got like what you're going to see out of the book. My son, like a Hakuma Matata being raised up in the air outside of the legs, the umbilical cord attached, being thrown onto her chest, all full blown color. I think I used a filter. This is seven years ago. And I think I did an Instagram filter to really make those make those colors pop. Um, uh, thankfully, like my wife wasn't on social media until like three weeks later. So oh, okay, like, good. have she, no she, fear. She came in, she's like, what's this? <laughs> oh yeah, she's like, what did he do? Uh, but it's a great, it's very National Geographic. It's a beautiful, it's, I mean, but so you, you would advise focus less on the photos and more on the woman in the back. That would be my, my personal take. But I think the caveat there is what does your partner want? Like if your partner is, is my wife didn't let go of my hand. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even go to the bathroom during our first, our first delivery. Like I was locked in. She couldn't hear what the other people were saying. So I had, I was really the only person she could hear and like understand. So for me, I needed to be just right there. And I, you know, I was, I had a leg, like I had a leg with my one hand and I'm holding her hand and I'm stressing out, you know. Yeah, so. I, do, I think my wife would probably have preferred me to not be there in the way her relationship works. <laughs> uh, I think she was like, will you be quiet? Uh, uh, I was trying to keep the key. I was trying to keep the calmness by reducing the tension uh, because generally I probably drive her crazy in a lot of ways, um, which is which is going to lead me to situation number two. So All right. Number a two, lot number of times two. women's pushing labor for people who don't realize these stories of women that go into labor and an hour later push out a baby is a miracle. Those are like dream, dream birthing scenarios. In both of our scenarios, we probably had an eight hour window of put some Pitocin in, you know, you start the process. There's pushing. There's a break. There's pushing. And towards the end, though, uh, the, these women go through a cycle of pushing. I think the way you think it, it's almost on TV seem like a woman pushes for like three hours straight with like no, no breaks. There are like right. five minute or I mean, these nurses and doctors in our situation were like, hey, she's been going for 40 minutes. Let's get rest right come back in 15 and we'll try again. Right. Right. So at this point for us, we had started the pushing process, say one o'clock in the morning. It's now about 8 a.m. When you enter a hospital, what they do in a hospital is they also ask you, and we were in a hospital where I could stay in the room. So they provide food and drink to both people. And they ask you what you want to eat or drink. And then you do a menu. So, uh, you know, we got in it. We're there. It's one o'clock in the morning. It's now like 7 a.m. Uh, we're going through the process of her pushing. But like food is delivered. Now, she can't have any because, you know, if she puts anything in her body. It's going to come right back out. So it's sitting there. So now we're pushing. We're pushing. But um uh, we're, you know, we're probably six hours into this and You're like, there's you know, a break. I'm getting, I'm getting hungry over here. What are we there's doing? A, I'm, I'm, I'm getting hungry. I'm, I'm personally exhausted from holding her hand and just being like, Hey, don't worry. You got this. You got this. And there's like a fifth in my mind. I remember being, there was a solidly 15 to not 30 minute. Break. So now it's my, her cousin's there. We're just sitting there. She's my, she's just like sweating, wiping her brow. And there's a tray of food, five feet. Away. The question is, as the husband there, 
what do you do? Do you ignore it and let it get cold? Because hospital eggs cold. That's no dice. I mean, they're yeah, they're 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 all, they're decent at best, hot. So cold, it's downhill. You but, know? So you got a hot meal five feet from you. You have your wife in the middle of labor, but on a break. What do you? What advice would you give that husband? You know, I'm I'm, I'm thinking of like the uh, baton pass at the relay. Like, if you can manage to pass her off to somebody else to sit right there, like a smooth hand to hand transition. Say, babe, I got it. I'm going to just grab somebody real quick. I'll be right back. And you you put that other the cousin's hand or you know this is where I love doulas. Like doulas cover all that. They they cover so much ground. I call them the wingman from heaven. Because your doula can tell her, hey, darling, Vinny's food's here. I'm going to have Vinny get something to eat. I'll sit right here with you. And now you're not the bad guy for being like, what am I going to do here? You know, um, and but, the doula you would in. say eat. So you're going on the you're you're agreeing with the eating, but you're recommending leave the room. I, I make it not obvious that you're over there like digging in with the napkin and you got the bacon and you're just like, you know. You're just uh, you're just a happy guy having your breakfast, you know. Dave, <laughs> Dave I'm going to tell you, uh, and there is, I believe, there is also a photo of this because her cousin, I believe, took one uh, to get me. Uh, I just right four feet from my wife because hospital rooms are tiny. Sat down and ate, chatted with her, had some coffee. Got your coffee, yeah, exactly. I buttered, buttered my <laughs> buttered my toast uh, while while uh, my wife and my cousin, uh, her her cousin looked at me like I was ridiculous, but I'm like, what are we going to do? It's getting cold. Right. They didn't tell me now on my defense, not at one point did they tell me to stop. Neither of them said stop. Right. But that they did criticize me later on for doing it. But I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like I, I needed to eat. I got to eat. I'm hungry over here. What are we talking about? Eat. So in my mind, I, I think I understand looking back on it hindsight wise. I'm like, oh man, this may be a bad move. Maybe I should have taken the tray, said I was going to the bathroom, ate outside in the hall. Not nobody would have known the wiser because I would say, oh, I'm just going to take this. Yeah, I'm going to get this it. food out of here. You don't need to be smelling this. And then you These, come back 10 minutes later. Who knows what? Who knows what happened? So that that is that is the world where uh, I probably would have done it, done it, done it better. You know, I mean, so the second time the train I just sometimes the trade just needs to disappear, you know, and what happens outside the door? Who knows? Listen, it's every man. It is literally every man for himself. Uh, and then the, the so um, the other thing I think is always interesting, and this is my advice, and I want to get your take on this is when in the in the sort of you had it as um, your epilogue, uh, which randomly I was happening to read this book with my daughter, and I got to the page where she was next to me and said, "Oh, it's epilogue." She's like, "I know what an epilogue is. It's usually, you know, when the story ends, it, it's it's a reflection three to four months, a few months later as to what happened." If you had asked me to define an epilogue. Prior to that, I would have been like, I don't know. It's the end of a book. I <laughs> right. literally did not. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, honey, this is like he's doing an epilogue it's like three months later. What happened? What happens in the situation? Right. Um, so that's just if nobody knows what an epilogue is. But um, you, you talked about this. It, there's sort of uh, there's two things in it. Well, number one is I love the idea of the roller coaster of life. Like, I mean, there is no it is not an on switch that like just it's not on fully. It's up and down. And there's a lot of there's a lot of of twists and turns. And sometimes it's very calm and sometimes it's, it, it's really moving, uh, moving fast. What I have found is after that intensity of the baby being born, the first three months, I, I always thought were the weirdest and the most difficult as a father, because you have, especially if a woman's breastfeeding, uh, you almost have to wonder what your role is in the process because you have a million people visiting because your wife's family, everybody wants to be there. This is pre COVID. Uh, you know, everybody's visiting 
and they want to hold the baby, the wife's breastfeeding. And you don't really, I think most men don't really realize in those first three months, there is not much for you to do. And if you're, unless you're bottle feeding and your wife, but also the women want to be, there's a lot of women wanting to still stay with their kids. So they hold the baby all the time. And I, and I always say like month three to me or four was the most critical. It was almost like the turning point of, Oh, now I'm a father. Cause then you're what my wife was like, no, you can feed her now. Yes. You could be involved. And there's sort of this month four is this introduction point to the physicality of being a father which is, but I don't think people look at it, but I've always been fascinated that first three months because guys go back to work and like, everybody's like, how are you doing? Like, it's fine. Like, yes, it's fine. Cause it's the first three months, nobody's allowing you to do anything. But right. if you, your epilogue, you had a very brief, your epilogue was small on it because uh, uh, it's the next phase. But what do you, when you think about what happened then, um, what's your opinion on that? So those first three months, I think it could be the most challenging for a lot of guys because you know, once, once mama sees that positive pregnancy test, she's already in mom mode. She's mm-hmm. like taking the vitamins. She's, you know, cutting out the alcohol, the caffeine or whatever, all the things. And us guys are like, uh, okay, cool. You know, we're and doing the polar guys, opposite. I'm adding the drinking. I'm adding the caffeine. I'm right. doing everything. like a derelict. Your first baby. You're yeah, like Vegas. Here I come. <laughs> like I gotta get, I can't, right. there's no more smoking. There's no, you gotta be like, you're doing you, weirdly enough. You sort of ultimately, in a lot of ways you're doing like you're you you just got a nine month warning your wife got no warning right she right was, exactly we get a warning and, and that, the funny thing is there Vanden, even with that nine month warning baby comes out and for a lot of guys it's like oh shit now 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 i'm a dad like oh it's real now it's like much more tangible mm-hmm. um and they sort of get that like catch up like you know it's like oh it's like all that stuff that mama's been gradually leaning into all of a sudden it's like oh now what you know so a lot of guys that three month period, it's just like a pinball. They're just going every which way. They're like trying to figure out how to be helpful to mom, especially if there was some, you know, if mom is resting after the birth, there was a challenge. She's got physically needs some time to recover. And then dads are trying to figure out how to do this. They got the work. Nobody at work is like, Oh, you're having a baby. Oh, why don't I take on half your workload? Like n- none of your coworkers. That would, be, that would be amazing. I'm I know. Say, right. Any my, no, they're like, I may have another baby and ask my coworkers. I mean, my wife would never have another baby. That would be brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that at work. Yeah, baby will start asking people, and baby, what can I do for you? I, oh my god, that would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. Yeah, but the, instead, your coworkers like, oh, it's about you know, I've, I've been carrying, I've been carrying your water for the last three weeks. Like, let's get, let's get caught up, and uh, I hope you're not planning on leaving before six o'clock any day oh. soon. You know, like you got, you got catch up to do. Yeah. So a lot of us guys, you know, we're kind of taking it on from all sides. We're trying to figure out how to get involved. We don't know what to do. And, and, you know, there's, I recommend a much more like hands-on approach. I tell the dads, get in there from day one, get your skin to skin. When the baby pops out, you want the baby smelling you and like recognizing you as a caregiver, get your hands in the shit, change the diapers, you know, do I all think the, the skin to skin. I think the skin I, I enjoyed, and I never thought it was the better moment in my life where you could lay on a couch with your shirt off and have your baby in a diaper lay on top of you to me with like silence in the house while they're sleeping that, that is probably one of the pure, like outside of being married, but like when the day you got married, that's probably one of the most blissful moments that a man can ever have in his life of just sitting there in that moment of like, I created this. And I, I don't know if enough guys do that, but a hundred percent believe that's, it, it's un, it, it is one of the most underrated early fatherhood things you can do. And I think people feel, I think a lot of guys always think it's weird. They're like, 
my shirt's off. I'm like, I don't understand. You go to the beach, your shirt's off. It's not a big deal. Um, yeah, but your it baby is, doesn't uh, care. You know, like, yeah, right doesn't in there. Care. They don't care. And if you have a hairy, if you had a hairy chest or a smooth chest, they don't really care. Uh, they just want to feel. But I, that 100% uh, agree with that. Well, that's um, like that. Like, if if, if you want to yeah. like get down to like, uh, what's dad so hard first opportunity? That's it. Like, jump right in there. Skin to skin, lay on that little the little dad cot that most rooms have these days, or wherever you're having your birth at birth center, your house, the barn, the hospital, whatever. But get that skin to skin. Like get you want you want to be in there. That's dad so harding from day one. Not I gotta go to work and make three times the money now. Like, okay, that may work. That may be a good plan eventually, but not at the expense of missing those those actual tangible emotional moments. Like like the skin to skin or just holding your baby, um, you know, at home or, you know, put them in the baby carrier, walk around the block. Like, unfortunately, the culture generally historically has looked at that as like what a mom's supposed to do. But that's where this new dad vibe is coming. No, no, I'm the dad. I, I want to hold my kid. I want to be in there. Right, yeah, I want totally. To involved, dude. I want people to see me in that question. Why is this? Why is this random stranger walking around with a child? It's like, it's my kid. I'm a dad. Right. <laughs> I mean, I see, whenever I see a dad in New York City, when I see a dad walking around a baby Bjorn, I just think it's awesome. Like, good for you, guy. Like, yeah, thumbs up, man. Right. I love it. I, my There's, wife got me a T-shirt right after our first kid was born. It says, "I'm not, I'm not the babysitter. I'm the parent." Uh, because, I, love, you know, yes, I was going to be yes. out with my kid all the time, and you know, I, I wore it kind of like loud and proud for the first you couple. Be selling weeks. that. That should be. You should. I would print those on your website. It took. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where she got it. She might have had it custom made. I know. Just so to do, remind a, myself, you know, <laughs> I, I love this. A couple of things I want is I'm now I'm going totally backwards in the birth process because the way I did my notes. But when we go into the beginning of birth, there's a couple of things in your book that I like that I feel like we have to create a cultural movement around. And this was one that I did not think about. And you wrote dad tip number eight. Uh, uh, stop talking about a due date and start talking about the expected arrival. And I think there's something really interesting there because it is. It, the vernacular we sometimes forget semantics and how and how important semantics are but to to actually like when i read that i was like oh my god yeah like due date just sounds like the impending ending of your world like it, this is what it, 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 it feels heavier it feels negative it feels like it's an ending to something uh versus expected arrival feels so positive to when is something starting in a journey Right. How did you get to that? That that I'm curious about that because I love I love that those words. So the so the tagline of the book is better connected, better prepared, and I'm talking about yeah. being better connected not just to mama but with mama, where she's feeling into what your experience is too, yeah. and also that better prepared is like what's coming up next. And that due date, that 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 like check mark on a calendar with a big circle, at my experience, I've I, I that was hard for us. Like my wife went 40 and five, which she was five days past the due date and it's hot. It's Omaha. It's summer. It's August. And she is just big and mad. And like every day that we get closer, she's thinking, oh, on this date, I'm going to have my baby. I finally get to meet him. She's got all that anticipation, but she's also just tired of being pregnant, especially in the summer heat, you know, and, um, as that due date, quote unquote, came and went, her anxiety just started going through the roof. Like, oh, yeah. And, you know, everybody's everybody's, calling. People are texting and calling. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, every day. And like, we're at, we're at, we're at the, you know, we're in line at the ice cream shop and she turns around and the, 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 there's an old lady behind us is like, oh my God, I hope you don't have that baby right here. You know, it's like, cause she's, she's big. She's 40 and five. And like, all those little comments are just like, 
a, a Mike Tyson, you know, right hook at that point. So it, it also is one of the moments that as a dad, you realize how crazy your wife's friends are because they stop texting her and they start texting you because they don't want to bother her. And now your phone, uh, those are the moments where I've never had so many people in her family. <laughs> right. like, How's it going? And I'm like, she's right next to me. She's fine. I don't right. know. I don't text. I'm not a text person. That's not right, how you get right. older than Levy. So, but yeah, uh, that's that, that whole conversation about due date versus expected arrival, it kind of creates some wiggle room around that. Cause you know, the baby's going to come and the baby's going to come. It may be a week early, maybe a week late, maybe two weeks early. You never know. So you want to be mentally kind of ready, totally. but all that, like, and it, anxiety never makes things better, you know? So having that date on the calendar as like this, you know, you're not get that's not when the package arrives where you can complain to FedEx or whatever, if it's not there, like, this is just what's going to happen. So you want to take some of that pressure away. And then the same thing you, you, you hit on the exact point that like getting away from this concept of the end of something and this beginning of something else. That's exactly what I talk about for after the baby gets here too. Like people have this idea, we're going to bounce back. It's like, no, 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 we're bouncing forward. We're not going backwards. Like that, that calendar, that page of the calendar's turn. We're bouncing. Oh, forwards. you're you're in a new journey, Craig. You're never going back to not having that kid. You will forever be a couple that's to go places, and if, if not, have a babysitter, uh, find it. Well, so now I'm literally reading your book words backwards as we go through this journey. And, and yeah, let, yeah. Let's mix it this up. Book is gonna, <laughs> I just went from birth to the third trimester to now I'm in the middle of the second trimester on another big idea that I like, uh, which is another way of, of new words that I'm going to start using. The difference between and understanding the difference between teaming up and teaming out, and that idea of, of, of what that means. You'll get, you're going to do a better job on it than I will. How do you? What do you think about uh, referring to it as team up versus team out? So it, it's one of those other insights into how a lot of times us guys think about something. We imagine everybody else thinks about it the same way, and it turns out that my wife certainly didn't. And a lot of these moms I talked to did, and that's around yep. this concept of teamwork. Um, us guys, you know, we're used to playing basketball, whatever, or playing baseball. Group sports. Like, a lot of, you grow up yeah. in a lot of group activities. And, and the only time you see uh, a, a men's group activity where everybody's doing the same thing is like when your seven-year-old's playing soccer and there's 20 kids around the ball and nobody's where they're supposed to be. But in the general sense of teamwork, it's like you do this over there, I'm going to do this over here, and we're working independently yet towards the same goal. And yeah, we come together. Like if I'm, if I'm quarterback and, and your, your receiver coming across the middle, I got to throw the ball in front of you. So you, you catch it on the, on the run, mm -hmm. but our sense of teamwork is we have specific duties and responsibilities. We kind of stay in our lane and focus on, you know, our, our job, so to speak. You come together for the greater good. Everybody has a role right. and you're playing your role, but most of the time you're apart doing your own thing. So yeah. like my idea of teamwork, Oh, my wife's doing X. I'm going to go do Y and therefore will accomplish this bigger goal that maybe neither yep. one of us talked about, but it's sort of assumed. It's very, found, in my mind, it's very efficient. And that is how I operate, but I, it's not always the right, right thing. It's right. Very efficient when you're trying to accomplish a lot of things and multitask. And so I, for my wife, and I found chatting with a lot of the moms I've worked with, their sense of teamwork means not divide and conquer like us guys think, it's come together and work together. So it's like, come help me with this right here together as a team. And for us guys, it's like, no, like, why are we both doing the same thing? Like, I'll, I'll go do this other, I'll paint this room while you paint that room. Why are we going to stand next to each other with the rollers painting the same wall at the same time? That seems kind of silly, but for them, that's what my wife wanted. She wanted me right next to her, sharing the same paint tray, yep. moving, moving our rollers next to each other. And neither one's right or wrong, but again, getting back into the language, having that conversation 
about what do we mean by team, but also from us guys' point of view, because again, the book's written for dudes, is when she's talking about teamwork, she's talking about do this with me here, not this divide and conquer. So you're, you're looking at your weekend and she's like, oh, let's go off to the baby store again. I want to go do this, get some more stuff off the registry. Because in second, you know, your second trimester, that's where you guys are at. You're starting to plan on the nursery yeah. theme and getting all the shit together. I, I, what's what's amazing to me about it is it just speaks to so much nuance to the, how the, the approach to motherhood and fatherhood and parenting is different. And and it speaks to what said is I, I think I have my daughter out in team sports right now. And when you look historically, when I have her in activities, the reason why I think we get to a place of team up and team out is there are a lot of traditionally female-based girl activities that are let's all do dolls and they're doing doll and it's like six girls play with their dolls, but it's their doll individually. So they're doing the same thing together. They're in gymnastics. They're doing their individual sport collectively together. They're, uh, you know, painting. There's, there's a lot of like, girl parties. A lot of it is the girls doing the same activity simultaneously and helping each other. And a lot of boy, when I look at like my son and his activities, it is a lot of sports where there's a team and everybody has a different role on the team. So they're working together collectively on something but they're actually collectively all doing things differently and right, i think right. it, it, i think it bleeds into the workplace fatherhood and everything but i do think it's a it's an aha moment for a lot of men who emotionally are thinking why am i communicating differently than my wife and when i read it i was like oh i get it now that yes i can already i can see there's many of fights we've had where in her mind she just wanted me to, to maybe do something with her and i thought i was a superstar because I was doing this other thing that made whatever she was doing easier. Right, right. But that's not what she wanted. Like I, to me, that's a principle that is so um, tucked away on page fifty-two for anybody who is going to buy this book and look at it. That I think is really, really, really important, and I love. And, it. and just getting clear about that concept, Vinny, makes it easier because you know, guys, guys, in this moment, we're trying to be a good teammate. But sometimes we need to check in with like, what is our wife's expectation on that? And maybe it is going to to the baby store for the third weekend in a row. And we don't, we don't think, we think we're wasting our time because they're like, I don't need to stand here next to you to pick out a teething ring. I could be home working on the crib or doing yeah, these it's other not, things. It's, it's, it's a different, there's a, there's a different, there's a different way of looking at it. Right. Uh, which I love. The last thing I want to leave with, and this is your advice, because there is one word in here. And now I'm telling you, I'm going back. I'm going, I go, fr- I don't, I don't read a lot. And then when I do, I go front to back. But this is on page 30, <laughs> page 36. And it's, uh, it's, it's number four and things to do. And this is when you're first pregnant. What do you do? And in my in my life, this is a very important role of a father and of a husband, and is something that if if it did not occur, big or small, uh, there's no way I would have made it in this. Uh, I would still be here 14 years later. And it is simply one five letter word: gifts, and the importance of them. And I love the fact that you, the uh, the first line in here, which I probably should have read 11 years ago, is the smaller the better. Uh, can you unpack this? Because that could have said that you were going to, you were going to save many a man money and time. If they can understand how to give gifts better, because it is a large part of the rest of your life. Once that baby is born, but for your wife and your kids get that wallet open. Yeah, exactly. Uh, us guys, we, we often, you know, think of wanting to be impressed. We want to impress our partner with like a big gift or something that we like really worked hard, whether it's working hard to save the money or working hard to, you know, organize or find or whatever that is. But like, there's a sense of like a, the gift is a certain representation of effort on our part. Mm -hmm. And if we don't spend a lot of money on it, or we didn't work really hard on it, 
it doesn't seem to us like it has a lot of value. And that's again, where this, what us guys are thinking may be different from how our partners are thinking about it. And for our wives, well, my wife in particular, and, and some of the women I've worked with, the gift represents that it tells them that you were thinking about them when they weren't standing next to you. So whether it's a little card, a flower, yep. a, a pumpkin spice latte on your way home from work, whatever it is, that's, that's what you're communicating. That's what they're hearing when you bring that gift in. They, they oh, oh, you thought about me in a positive way. And you, and you did a little something, even if you only just said, I'll take two of these lattes instead of one, that counts to them as a, as a often counts as a, as a bigger deal. Yeah. And, I say, I, so I work in New York city and when we lived in the city, you'd always walk by the bodegas and they had the best deal on flowers. And I would score more points, not just with my wife, but I actually scored more points with her family and her friends because walking by the bodega, if you got an extra 10 bucks, bring those flowers home on a Tuesday night, a random Saturday for no reason. You get more, they, people would be like, Vinny is the best husband ever. You got to keep this right. guy forever. And then I had found it actually saved me money when it came to Valentine's day. Cause I didn't have to buy the overpriced roses on Valentine's day. Cause I, I got you some two weeks ago. Like you don't need them now, but like it is, that is the, an underrated gift that can make any, any marriage is to buy that partner random flowers every, every once in a while. And and the and your and I love it. It's the little gestures. It's get the cup of coffee when they didn't. When you're not when you're coming home with just your cup of coffee, you look like a, a fool. Uh, make yeah, sure you bring her one. And you, you walk in on a Tuesday with a two carat sapphire ring. She's like, well, what the now? What'd you do? You know, like oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> you no, know, no, it's no. like it's like a Sopranos well, episode. It's like, oh, well, you, no. you must have fucked up something. Like, I guess no, I'll hear listen. about that later. You know, <laughs> or you you get her in my situation. You buy an Hermes bag, and then three years later, you're like, all I see is money hanging on a wall, and nobody's wearing it. So right. what are we doing here? Right. Oh, don't tell me it retains value. That, that's retaining my paycheck, and I'm not <laughs> right. Well, listen. Uh, I could have oh. got a lot of value out of that. Out of oh, you don't even know. I, I, get out, <laughs> I get out of my mind. I've been. I'm suckered both ways. I'll I'll buy a nice gift, but I'll, I I'm 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 a meanie. The little things matter, especially after that baby comes out, Vinny. I want to mention this real quick because this is one of the things I made a mistake. Is that my sister was always talking about these push presents afterwards because her kids are a lot. Oh older yeah, than my yeah, kids. they're big, big, big on push gifts. And she wanted like you know my sister's talking about all these you know jewels and stuff. I'm like hell no, like, and here I'm thinking like this is my guy mode like. How many babies, four million babies are born every year. This is like, at the, at the end of the day, this is the most, this is the most everyday experience. Like if mm -hmm. you graduate and get a PhD from, from Harvard, maybe that's a unique experience, but having a baby, that's how we all got here. You know what? So again, this is, this is pre baby David thinking here, just being like a you know linear logical guy. But on the flip side of that, like, and again, this is a small acknowledgement, like a, a bracelet with like the date, and then the baby's name on it, you get like a week later or something, some little like acknowledgement where mama can see that and recognizes that you know how important that is to her because this is her biggest well, deal. It also ever. says you paid it, you paid attention to the date. That means you're going to remember it. Now, listen, there's a lot of things happening. Yeah, like, yeah, that, that's key too. Don't mess that I up. I challenge you. <laughs> I, I know my kids' birthdays. I sometimes looking at the year can be forgetful. I'm like, oh, which one is which? What, like, right, right. <laughs> yes. But yeah, that's what it comes down to is that 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 thoughtfulness and recognition that for mo for almost every woman I've spoken to, getting pregnant, have a, having a baby has been the most important journey of her life. And it's yeah. bigger than graduation, bigger than a PhD from Harvard. For her, this is like this is a full blossoming into motherhood. And the more us guys can sort of orient to that's her experience and connect to that, 
the better we're the being better. as a as a partner and a teammate and that's setting us up to really thrive in the dad zone and dad so hard is embracing that and owning it and running with it you know well, david i can't thank you enough i have enjoyed this so much and i and i'm just i'm one i'm proud of myself i'm giving myself a pat on the back because i read your book and i'm gonna i'm gonna post about it and i'm gonna show the post-its but i want everybody but uh, you know it's called welcome to fatherhood WTF. I'm going to put it all over Instagram and my LinkedIn later when we post this episode. Uh, your name is Mr. David Arell. This has been phenomenal. I love it, David. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll help sell you some books, but hopefully this to me is essentially the gift for any guy who is about to have a baby. I actually think it's great for a wedding present because it, it never is going to go out of style. This thing is never aging poorly, like a fine wine. Uh, everything in it is relevant today. Uh, I can't say enough. And this is coming from somebody who's a very light reader. So if I could read it, anybody without, you don't need to ha even have a high school education. You will be able to read this book. <laughs> I try to keep fine. it simple, you know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not my, my, my grammar scores. I should have read a lot. My parents should have forced me to read a lot more when I was a kid. I got away. I got away with a lot of stuff, but thank David. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, I'm thrilled we're able to do this, and uh, uh, and we will see you. We'll 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 keep talking. I, I we'll have to have you back. I I suspect there's a second book in you. There there may be, and and th you know, thank you so much for having me on the show, Vinny. I'm I'm happy to be here talking about all the ways us guys can dad so hard and and be a better partner and a better father, and just to you know lead the way for the guys coming behind us, so they're not stuck with these. Ward Cleaver, old school. They could be better. Guys. They could all be better than us. I'm not, per I admit right. all the time, I am right. not perfect, but right. I'm hopefully somebody who's 30 years younger than me can be somewhat better, improve on, improve on the mistakes I made. That's all we can do. And if we can share them, not judge each other. Uh, I say, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like, sometimes you have to have hard conversations and you may, we may make mistakes in what we say and we're not perfect. That doesn't mean you need to be canceled. That means you need to be a, brought aware to it and recognize it, receive it and go, Hey, I made a mistake. Great. I'll be better at it. And I said to my wife all the time, got it. I hear that. You know what I mean? As every, like I'd say, as every Bravo, if you're a real, if you're a real man who watches Bravo, every housewife says it every day, I'm a work in progress. Right. So right. I, we, we all can adopt, we all can adapt, adopt that as our mantra. We are all a work in progress. So I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to try to be better. And that's all, all we can all do uh, in the world. So thank you again, David. This was great. Thanks, Vinny. Thanks again for having me on. Appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Good seeing you. Thank you for listening to the Dad So Hard podcast. If you want to hear more, and we're thrilled by this episode, but think, what did I miss? How do I, how do I hear more of this stuff? And I can't wait to next week. You can always go back to our old episodes and listen to them in our giant library. You can visit us at wearedadsohard.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Dad So Hard Podcast, or on Twitter, you Dad So Hard Pod. Uh, and if you want to reach out to us, please do not hesitate to send me an email at dadsohardpodcast at gmail.com. Danny and I are here. We are listening. We're excited. We cannot thank everybody for being part of Dad So Hard Nation. And we hope you guys have another wonderful day.